inspiring you to reach your goals and live your dream. And live your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson Show. Alrighty, guys. I've got an awesome treat for you today. I got Scott Morse from Lamasu Media. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Dude, I appreciate it, man. I look forward to it. Yeah, dude. Uh, you reached out to me on social, which, by the way, if you want to be a guest on the show, you guys can hit me in the DMs. I'll check you out. We got a little form, but Scott, um, he kind of passed the vibe check real quick. Uh, one of my high-end clients who's at, interviewed Ed Mylett and Grant Cardone follows this guy. So I was like, this guy's got to have something to offer. There's an easy yes for me. So Scott, uh, tell the audience about yourself, man. Yeah, man. So I, number one, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak to your audience. Uh, my name is Scott Morse. Uh, I've been in the real estate vertical for about two and a half years. I've been in high ticket sales for about 20 years but just been a, a solo entrepreneur uh, for over a decade, right? And uh, I'm talking to you from Columbia, South America. And so this is where I live. This is where my company's at. This is where my future's at. And uh, I just, I really love this new industry that I've kind of stumbled into by accident. That's really cool. So let me, <laughs> what is that new uh, industry that you stumbled into? Well, it's the real estate industry, right? Like, I've Oh, always, I got it. I've always in digital media, like my true... Uh, expertise is in digital media leads conversions. And uh, I got into the real estate space about two and a half years ago. And I saw that there was a big gap or a need for like high quality cold call leads as an additional channel on top of like PPC and Facebook. And so, you know, I just, I started something for myself and then a buddy heard and then another buddy heard and then another buddy heard. And then before you knew it, I was like, wait a minute, this is a business as well. So that's how <laughs> you started. That's cool, man. So you're, you got a bunch of people in South America dialing. Is that what's going on? Yeah, man. So I'm blessed enough to have about 200 people under one roof right now. Um, and we have, a, we have a full media company here. We like to say, like I'm talking to you from our podcast studio. Now, our primary competency or product right now is the cold call outbound just because <clears throat> there's a big gap in this industry, like I was saying, of the quality of leads. Most people in from a marketing perspective in this industry, I found they're addicted to what I call vanity metrics. Like they wanted a lot of leads. They didn't care about the quality of the conversations. So I just inverted it and said, hey, let's hyper-qualify the leads. Let's care more about the conversions than the quantity. And that's kind of been our X factor because our average qualifying call, which again, if you're not from the space, it may not mean too terribly much for a lot of listeners, but our average qualifying call is about 15 to 17 minutes long. So it's like, yo, you speak with an elite professional with me for 17 minutes long, and then you get served that lead from a transfer, you know, two minutes later. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. just, it doesn't exist so far. <laughs> That's awesome. Very, very cool, man. Um, so where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So great question. Uh, Richmond, Virginia, man. No I, shit, I, dude. Yeah. I, I spent um, probably like preschool through second grade. I was in Richmond, three shop west. Ring a bell? Yeah, very familiar. Yeah, man. I was more south side, uh, Chesterfield, that surrounding area. But yeah, I went to Meadowbrook High School, man. Uh, graduated from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, got into high ticket sales in Williamsburg and then ended up following a pathway down to um, Florida. And, and then that ultimately journey led me here. Where in Columbia are you? So in Columbia, they have something called the Coffee, coffee Triangle. I'm in the city. It's like smaller than Medellin. It's like a baby Medellin. And so I'm here and dude, I it's like um Eden almost, man. Like the temperature never gets hotter than like maybe 83 Fahrenheit and never lower than 70 Fahrenheit, 365 days a year. And so it's amazing. 
That's awesome, man. Uh, my fiance is uh, half Dominican and half Colombian. Sweet. And we're probably going to go out in um, in November for about a week. Nice. So, so. <laughs> well, dude, if you can find your way here, man, my team would treat you like royalty. We'd love to have you guys as guests. Uh, you'd be able to see our operation. It's it's pretty intense. And depending yeah. on when you come in, November 15th, we move into our new 23,000 square foot office. Oh, shit. That one's going to be bonkers. We got swings hanging from the ceiling and stuff like it's. it's- <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you got it going on. Um, I mean, from Richmond, I know Richmond. I mean, it's not like a. am you grow up middle class, poor. Yeah. So a real great question, man. I I'd say this bluntly, like um, my parents, we never could afford to move up. So we just stayed in one little rancher for 18 years, my whole entire life. Yeah. Uh, that, that was life, man. And it was stable, right? Like I, I don't fault my parents for that. Um, but we just didn't have the opportunity. I'm not college educated, but I'm, I'm super self-educated. I really, really took a pathway of self-embetterment, uh, particularly in, from 19 on. And, uh, and so I just kind of went on my own little journey to get out of Richmond, but it all involves sales. That's why I'm such an advocate for what sales, the power of persuasion, uh, being able to communicate, articulate yourself, being a wordsmith, what that really can do to change your financial well-being. Because if it wasn't for sales, it wouldn't have led me to be uh, being my own business owner and therefore being able to employ like 180 other salespeople. Very, very good point. So let's talk about that. How, what was your first sales job? Uh, timeshare. Really? No wonder you're so good. <laughs> yeah, man, dude. I, I was. Re- it's. I used to install security systems, right? Like at like a you know ADT or something. And I was 20 years old. It was a couple of weeks before my birthday. And we inst- we went to some like really big fancy building and I'm there, man. And uh, I'm showing all these kids how to use this keypad and stuff. And finally, I just so many Mercedes outside and kids my age dressed gorgeous. And I was just finally, I was like, what do you guys do here? He was like, we sell timeshare. I'm like, what's timeshare? <laughs> he told me a little bit. He was like, can you be here next Monday? I was like, absolutely. So I just never seen young kids getting money legally. Ever. I just never seen. And it was just blew my mind. So I was like, oh, this is an opportunity for me. And I always felt I was a good orator or good at speaking, uh, more or less. But that sales job, really two years learning how those guys convince people to buy air for tens of thousands of dollars, taught, set a good foundation for sales training. I bet. And um, what's wild is you guys, you guys only closed on the this is what I understand about uh, timeshare. You guys only close in person, right? So like, there's no follow-up. There's no, like, once you guys leave, you said, no, we don't call them up and try and get them back and, and, and resell. Dude, it's cry or buy. And yeah. so like, you're only doing a good job. This is literally things that we say, it's cry or buy. They either better be crying at the end of that consultation that they couldn't afford it. Or there's just some, I mean, literally you would put people under pressure. So they either cried or they bought and you would just learn. And dude, there were stories like they wouldn't tell us all the truth. But I remember it was like six months in. Part of the presentation is we would take them to this gorgeous unit. I mean, dual shower heads, just the most amazing thing. And then we would show them a price. And then we would come back to the table and they'd say, hey, we can't afford that. And the boss would always be like, well, hey, we got this other unit. Let me show you this other unit. And it was smaller and similar. Did it was six months before I realized that was a fake unit. Nobody could ever buy the first one (laughs) just to anchor price them against it. But nobody was even allowed to, even if somebody said, yes, I can afford that. They say, well, Hey, look, we just checked inventory. 
I was like, oh man, you start understanding the psychology of how to take things that are free and add value to them um, and, and understanding people's concerns and addressing those concerns. And so being able to use what you've learned there into more white knight type uh, endeavors in sales, it's really, it really did, honestly, it changed my life as those two years in that industry. Gotcha. Let's talk about, um, I'm sure there's some salespeople in here. If you're, if you're a business, actually everyone's selling, but let's say you're a business owner, right? Um, yes. What are some tips that you would give in like, let's say it's like high ticket phone sales or Zoom calls. What are like the three best tips you could give to someone who's listening? For a sales agent? Give me a sales. Uh, I'm actually hiring my first uh, closer. And then what, what, what advice would you give her? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing, all these are going to go all the way back to the archetype story we were talking about. But the first thing is not to prejudge a lead. Um, you know, a lot of times too, particularly with the advent of more and more technology, you have these platforms where CRM will say, oh, well, here's their social and here's this, and here's all this lead information. And you have to be a very disciplined soul to be able to analyze that information and not make any difference to your consultation, particularly to the negative. Like you can tweak some things to the positive, but it should never be to shortcut. It should never be to take away from your consultation. It should be to add. But what I find is that like for my company, I'll give somebody a 15 minute conversation recap. And if I have a weak affiliate or an affiliate who's really not in tune, they may read that and try to find the negatives and find a reason to alter their consultation versus being like, oh, cool, that's what they said. But also, I don't, give I don't care what those notes said. I'm going to get on the phone and close them. So I think that one's a definitely an important one for not prejudging. And then also going back to there's no be backs. So we were talking about today or never. That's a mentality that we still have today, even though we have a nurture campaign. And the reason why is you'll lose more sales from being from not being aggressive enough than you'll Ooh. ever lose from being too aggressive. That one's good. I'm so guilty of that, dude. Like, I feel yeah. like I offer something that like people really want. So like, yes. if they're not ready to buy, I'm like, I ain't pressuring you. You're gonna come back. And they do, don't get me wrong, but I've lost a lot of sales that I know I could have gotten if I just put a little bit more pressure. Was- yeah, it's 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 true though, you know, like you won't let your agent do what you just described yourself doing. Never. I will no, I will not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's one of those things too. It's like, and for me, I get it too, because like I'm the CEO of my company. So when I was doing consultations, People just kind of like jump right on board, et cetera, et cetera. And if they didn't, okay, great. There's a line behind you. But from a sales acumen standpoint, you know, if I truly believe in the product the way that I should, then I would be doing you a disservice by not signing up today. So if I care about my clients, I'm going to encourage them. I'll be a pressure them or force them to make the correct choice today because that your customers, just like my customers or anybody out there, procrastination kills a lot of dreams. And right. so if we can make them move forward today, then they're going to thank us in the future. Right. Because at the bottom line, we're, we're helping them, right? Exactly. Like yeah, I sell them something for $10,000, they turn around and make 30000 a week. Yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't I pressure them to do it? Yeah. Um, if it was your friend, you would. And that's why I try to train my guys. Like, yo, if that is really somebody that you're that you care about, and you could turn ten into thirty, even if it was ten thousand now for thirty thousand in a year, but that was your mom, your aunt, or somebody, and it was that definitive, you would never let them miss that opportunity. And so that's a a good training. And then just because you asked for three, 
I would think the two ears, one mouth thing is really important because a lot of sales agents like myself, I'm an excitable guy. I talk, but I need to make sure when I'm in a sales consultation that I'm doing 66%, 33%. I have two ears and one mouth and that should be the ratio. I should be listening more and talking less because I can't say the right things if I haven't listened for the right conversation cues to be able to load up my gun to pull the trigger later. Love this, dude. But I might get more into the story, but you're providing like just some good nuggets. I want to dig more into this. So is there a process that you follow when you're on a sales call? Yeah. Uh, so we have a bunch of different product lines. Like, so not only do I have a marketing agency, but I'm on also my own biggest client too. So like I'm one of my own clients. I have a real estate investment firm in the States. We have about 17 closers. So like everything follows the same fundamentals. And what I try to tell people is that I'm an insert product here type guy. It doesn't matter. You could say, hey, listen, we're selling solar panels tomorrow. Just give me a little bit of basic information. I'll put it into the mechanisms. It'll all go because it, it has a process. It has a flow to it. So yeah, man, I, we have a process. Uh, everything has a script. The script is for the entry level guy. It's more verbatim than the rest, but it goes like script to bullet points. So once you're starting out, you're all script. I need you to be me before you add your own personality to it. Once you show me that you can close and now you got a little vibe for yourself, that's when at that stage, that's when you can kind of go more bullet points, but you still have to cover the fundamentals. I couldn't put together a car, put a steering wheel on without a steering column. And I can't ask for the close until I've built enough value, until I presented my offer correctly. And so you just can't put things in out of order. So yes, we always have a script or a framework we follow. What's the what's the bullet points of the framework at a very high level? Very, very high level is understanding your, this is before you can get to the high level, is that all customers have concerns, right? And all customers, no matter what, no matter what funnel or channel they came to, they still think you're a slimy salesperson. I don't care if you're a pretty lady. I don't care if you're a sweet elderly guy. I don't care if you're a slick guy in a suit. They still think you're you're trying to take advantage of them. 99.99% of the sales in the back of their mind, they've seen enough movies and TV shows and had enough bad experiences. They think that you're bad. So the very first thing is really just opening up to build that rapport, opening up to introduce yourself to kind of quasi quickly make a friend. And sometimes it's as simple as man, just being like, Hey, 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 Kev, could you, could you grab a pen and paper, man? I'm going to give you my contact details just in case we get separated. Let me give you my direct extension, just those small little new, dude. Okay, cool. And this is about our company. And could you write that down and neurologically getting them in the action of just understanding who you are, talking about yourself for a second, finding that commonality because people don't care how much you know about your product until they know how much you care about them. And so even though it may feel kind of fake, like, oh, I got to build rapport. Well, yeah, you do. So okay. would you say that's step one, build rapport? A hundred percent. I'm writing 100%. these down. You guys better be writing these down, listening. Build rapport, love it. Yep. I'm going to send this episode to my, my new salesperson. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Cool. What's, what's step number two? You, you build rapport. So, I, I, so for me, the next would be, I want to be an industry expert. So once I've built rapport and I found out about them, before we get into the product, I'm going to position my company or my services as something unique and different. And so it's, hey, listen, you know, one of the things we've done, we came out of X, we were able to address this issue, blah, 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 blah. And so I've created a friend. I've shown that I'm an industry expert. I've now found then the, so industry expert. And so like any accreditations, awards, anything that you've gotten, that's where we go over that then. 
The next thing is I want to talk about whatever pain points led them to me, whatever their thoughts or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Pain points. Solution is the offer. So again, commonality, um, expertise, pain points, solutions, and then really presenting the offer or the close. That's at like a super high level. Right, all right, cool. This is, this is my favorite um, it's a framework, but you can use it at any level, whether you're generating leads, whether you're closing a sale, whether you're doing anything. It's, and it's super, super, super simple. It's, and it's kind of what you said in a way without a step. Um, it's actually five. We'll put five steps. So it's yep. like, hey, how are you doing? Right. Yep. I'm not salesy, nothing. I like, let's have a quick conversation about you as a person. Number two is where are you at right now? Yeah. Where do you want to go? Amen. What's holding you back from getting there? And do you want help? Yeah. Yeah. I I dig it. I dig it a hundred percent, particularly finding out where they're at. (laughs) You know, you have to anchor and we call it anchoring, but what you're doing, which is so smart, but you're anchoring their reality now versus their desires later. And you, you know, it's like when we help people out of their house, we we talk about features versus benefits. And I'm telling you, dude, I'll catch agents all the time. I'll walk out onto the sales floor, grab a guy or something, and we're doing some training. I'll be like, Hey man, what's some of the benefits of the product? And they'll say, well, you know, we buy the house uh, all cash. I'm like, no, that's a feature, bro. Like, that's well, a feature. Yeah. So can you tell me what, what is the difference between a feature and a benefit? Are you getting there? Well, I'll use, I'll use a better example, like a car, right? Okay. So a car may say, Hey, listen, our Volvo, uh, has the highest safety standards. And they'll say, Oh, that's a benefit. No, no, no. That's a feature. The benefit is, sir, imagine, God forbid your wife late at night, 11 o'clock at night on a Thursday night, she's coming back with the kids from your aunt's house. Heavens forbid a drunk driver crosses the lane, comes across. You're going to be more protected because of this top safety, blah, 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 blah. That's a benefit. A feature is that. And so it's like, you know, it's being able to say what that feature will do for them to that particular guy, because maybe he doesn't have kids. So then that benefit doesn't matter to him. Maybe it's him because, you know, hey, when you're driving late at night, I know you travel across the country, man. And sometimes you get sleepy. It's got this system to make sure that you'll make it to your next appointment as well as make it home to your wife or whatever. But there just genuinely is a difference between a feature and a benefit. And a lot of agents take the shortcuts and pitch features instead of undoing what you did, which you talked about, which is finding out where they're at now. So that way you can describe your feature as a benefit for where they want to go. Love that. Yeah. It's um, the common saying is like, sell the hole, not the drill. Right. Sell the sizzle, not the steak. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I love that. Um, I, uh, I've been working with my, we do, you know, we do social media marketing. So I'm working with a team who's writing like thousands of captions and thousands of uh, emails of every single every single month. And I'm like, guys, even just for like our stuff, I'm like, no one cares that they're going to get more likes, more follows, grow their audience. No one gives a crap. They want more high ticket sales and they want more, you know what I mean? And then if you want to take a step further, why do they want that? It's a whole nother thing. But like, yeah, like quit trying to sell them this like arbitrary BS that like doesn't really matter. 
It, it, yeah. What matters is that we can grow their business in a systematic way that they haven't discovered yet. You know? Yeah. What, what a great way of putting it. Cause what you're saying is, Hey, it's like, don't pitch or, you know, don't get lost in the fact that we're going to write outstanding headlines and we're going to be able to produce hundreds of them for your company. Right. It's what those headlines will end up doing how they're capturing somebody's audio, uh, attention, how they're getting into their funnel, even more qualified and how they're easier to be converted on the back end and help scale their business, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Dude. And I actually want to uh, talk to you, you, your profile on Instagram is actually really unique and I like it a lot. And I, dude, I, I study this crap. Like that's like my, my craft, you know what I mean? And I really, really like what you have going on. So I'm interested to, like, just to pick your brain a little bit. I mean, pull it up. What, um, how do you, who's doing this design stuff for you and how did you land on it? Cause I, at least what you're doing recently, I love. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks, number one. And we have some of my marketing team here in the podcast studio, so they got big grins on their face. I bet they do. Yeah, it looks good, man. They're doing a nice nice job. I, like, I can't even tell you. I'm like, you're killing it. You know thank what I mean? You, thank you. Um, so no, man, we're really blessed. We have a great team that's grown over time. Um, and collectively, everybody's got their own nuances and strengths. And uh, you know, we're just collaborative. We're definitely not where we want to be in regards to growth wise. Like we plan on really expanding the team, particularly in this new office. We have a lot of needs, uh, on the editing side that we're knocking out here, but we're blessed to be, um, in a place where there's some good kids, guys and gals who have talent that may not be as many opportunities. Maybe there is, I don't know, but, uh, we've just been able to attract a, a great group down here and I'm super proud of the team and what we got, it's, it's a real good blessing. Yeah, dude, the content looks good. Um, you guys on TikTok too? Yeah, we just forget to post all the time. I was going to say something to it today because I just had- Come on, a... guys. Come on. Yeah, I know. Come on. The actual TikTok girl isn't in here. I was waiting to see where she's at. Uh, but yeah, I just noticed because we had a really good uh, response uh, view rate on a video I posted yesterday. And uh, I was like, damn, I can't wait to see what it's going to do on TikTok. And we didn't post it. But yeah. Yeah, it's wild. All right, we'll get um, to it. Yeah, TikTok's interesting at like a high level stuff. <laughs> like a lot of people who, uh, I mean, will post, dude, hundreds and hundreds every month. Wow. You know, most of them will get like two, three hundred, four hundred views. Then we'll get yeah. one that gets like fifty k. Then the, ne the next one gets twenty five, and the next one gets five hundred. But they get like twenty thousand followers a month and like fifty sales calls. Like, I'm like, dang, dude. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I yeah. love it. I'm just not dancing. Not yet. No, you will. You will. Th those guys, <laughs> they got it. Um, I, and because what you said with real estate, how you go after quality instead of quantity, right yes. off the side, I want to tell you something for Instagram. This hack is gorgeous. Uh, I like gorgeous hacks. For free, and I'll give it for everyone who's listening. This is literally what we use to get high. I'm not even joking. I have a client who's a coach. He sells a $10,000 six month package. He sold three of them last week with this, this Beautiful. strategy. Super, super easy. Um, is you go to accounts who have a following that's real, that has followers that you want for to follow you, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who have a lot of followers and you think that like you, like Grant Cardone, well, whoever, like, but all right. like 95% of them are fake or right. live in India or something, right? So I, I shoot for someone who's 5,000 or less followers and then um, go follow their account. Yep. Just follow it. You do the follow and follow. Gary Vee will say it's bullshit. It's made us 
hundreds of thousands of dollars like easily. And then they follow you back. You get about 15% follow back ratio. Uh, and you can hire one person to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, four times a day, um, at least you do an hour between each, you can follow 60 people. And you do 15% of that comes back. You do it every day, five days a week, seven days a week, depending on who's doing it for you. And you have them message you, have them message as they follow you. So I don't understand. Say that again. So like someone follows you back. Yep. You go to their profile and you message them saying, hey, thank you for following. How are you doing mm-hmm. today? And you go through my four-part script. Mm-hmm. Where are you at? Where, where do you want to go? What's stopping you from getting there? Do you want help? Then you book the call. Um, and it's easy. I love it. Easy, easy. And like, it doesn't have to be a sales thing, but like, if you just do those numbers, you're floating between 100 to, you know, 300 people a week choosing to follow you. And they're all people who want to follow you. Um, and with your content, this is what I've noticed with the clients who have really good content is they'll do like, three to 500 a day some days. So, yeah. Uh, One of the things I love what you said is I'm working on trying to convert, convert the lurkers into engagers. And so just even sending that message, like, Hey man, thanks for following. Cause we currently don't do that when people reach out to us and follow us. But if we did, it gets them faster because the first time they send them something and I reply, they're like, oh, dude, man, I just want to say, thanks for following me. Like you almost need an icebreaker. It's like dating or something. It's like, you know, who's going to talk first right now. We're just looking at each other across the bar. But as soon as one of us talk, then it's, you know, it's lights out. So it's a really good point. Do you real quick, just so I know, uh, do you follow and then you wait for them to follow and then you won't follow or when are you actually going back and unfollowing? So, I mean, you're, you own a big business. You need systems and processes for everything, just like this. Sure. So uh, we we find about 10 accounts that we think would be really good uh, mm-hmm. to follow, uh, follow their followers or whatever. Right? Understood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we rotate through them. So we'll do like a full set of the first guy, the next one, and then we'll work our way back around to unfollow. So it's probably been like a, we'll continue to follow them for about a month or so. Yeah. It's a whole process. Cool, man. Shit. I appreciate you dropping gems. A lot of people say it's bullshit, but if it works, it works, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Cool, man. Um, All the other hacks don't work though. Um, And the, the last, you should get shout outs, dude. That's another thing. If you want to invest a little bit of money, yeah, um, go to influencer pages like uh, Entrepreneurship Facts or Real Estate Investor Pro. They have like 3 million people and it's all like viral content. You say, hey man, how much does it cost to uh, get a post on your page? Takes two seconds. Make notes, guys. I know they're listening to this. this yeah, is- yeah. They're, they're all um, typing on their little... Yeah. So um, you say, how much is it? And then send me a screenshot of your analytics. You're looking for where they're located, they're following. You're going to have about like 30% of it's going to be in India or, or someplace else. Right. You know I mean? um, and then you have them create like a, I call them Twitter style posts. You know, with the Twitter and it's like yeah. a little thread with some value and it's the carousel post. And then at the end, it said, follow Scott Moore and your tags. Yeah. And then in the caption, it should be like three of your tags, like follow, 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 follow him for this type of content. And then you do that. And honestly, you, you what you're aiming for is to pay about a dollar per follower. So mm-hmm. when someone, and 
I think it's about like a thousand dollars per million followers is a good um, play on it. So like someone has three million followers, you might be, or no, no, maybe it's a, double check with me on that before you, you buy it. <laughs> but it might be less than that. But um, cause we, we have a network of 60 of them that we use and they got 22 million followers and we pay three grand per post. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, I, I mean, and there's also the same thing, people who choosing to follow you, and there's some credibility behind that. But anyways, enough about that stuff. I could go on for days about that. <laughs> um, back to you, man. What's um? Why did why did you land on Columbia? I'm shifting way back. Uh, yeah. So I entered into the real estate space. I had a monster call center in South Florida. Uh, about a hundred. I say monster, but it's funny because now this one's bigger. But it felt bigger then. Um, you know, I just, it was the first time I'd ever built something that size, but, uh, and that was selling leads to attorneys. We did about a seven year sprint on that before state AGs frowned upon the non-attorneys generating leads. And so ultimately the, the bars, not state AGs, state bars, excuse me, uh, came in and were like, Hey, attorneys, you guys can't be buying leads from non-attorneys. Like there's, there's a whole mechanism and rev share and all this other shit. So ultimately it was like, Hey, this is going to cause exposure. Let's bow and let's find a new vertical. And I heard about like wholesaling and, you know, I was just like, Oh, this is a super disruptable market. There's a bunch of just like mom and pops everywhere. It's like my ideal situation to come in and just try to dominate a sector. <clears throat> but I realized that the cost per lead that you need um, I wasn't going to be able to accomplish in South Florida. The capital constraints from a human capital cost perspective was going to be too much. And so the mother of my children is from Columbia. I met her in Orlando, Florida. And one of her goals was to always bring back jobs to Columbia, South America. And so it's like that book, Who Not How. Like she knew what she wanted to do. She didn't know who or how she was going to do it. So she just found the who, which was me. And so we ended up coming down here, man. And uh, like I said, right now we're about 200 people deep. Once we get into this new office, we'll be about three, three fifty within the first nine months or so. And then that should be it. Like I, I think at 300 people, I'm just going to just, just even that out a little bit. That's cool, man. Um, you mind if I ask you like some numbers questions about how your businesses are doing? Sure. Go right ahead. Yeah. What kind of revenue are you putting out? Like, so we have a bunch of different product lines. Um, but from the cold calling perspective, uh, we have about a hundred clients and without going too granular, granular, our cheapest package is around four grand on a monthly basis. Um, then we have a real estate investment line. We have a self-storage facility line. Um, so you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a cash cow cause it's, it's human capital intensive. Um, but it's profitable. It's yeah. People don't realize that as these marketing agencies and stuff, <laughs> but, um, yeah. What? So, how much are you doing a month on monthly recurring? Five ish on the on the call center. So we have we have four we have a hundred customers paying over four thousand a month. So at different scales above it. Okay, got it. I said five million. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, five hundred. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're crushing it, dude. How quickly did you get there? Pretty fucking quicker. It took me seven years. To do it before it took us two years to do it this time. Wild. What what type what 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 about you makes you think that you're this awesome person that just go can go and do it? Like mindset wise. Like you get what I'm going at after here? Like everyone else is like, you know, I can, I could never do that. But like why you just said no, I could do this. It's 
easy. I, mu- I mumbled the answer under my breath, but I'll repeat it. It's because I'm a psychopath. You're a psychopath. <laughs> I just am fucking nuts, man. Uh, and I say, I don't mean that, but it's like, once you've already done it once, then it's like, it's no thing, right? So there is no self-limiting beliefs there. Right. And when I say I'm a psychopath, it's just, that's like, I really feel that I'll outwork a lot of, a lot of, a lot of human beings out there. And unfortunately for literally family relationships, you know, like I'm that guy who has sacrificed a lot of fringe stuff to be able to get to where I wanted to go and then being able to reward like, dude, I, I didn't talk to my, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my parents because I was grinding my face off. I didn't see them as much as most normal human beings was, but that Christmas that I bought them their house and I got to give them a box within a box, within a box with ultimately held the key. Like that was good enough for me. Like I know seeing my dad cry that day, I know what that meant, but it was because of all the years, like we didn't go fishing, we didn't hang out, we didn't catch up every night. And so like, I know what those sacrifices mean and how a lot of people, it breaks them on the way. But I'd say that that's it, man. Mm. It's, it's wild, dude. It's like, uh, what would you, did you have any limiting beliefs growing up at all? Like, or like not growing up, but like when you were starting your, your businesses and, and doing this, or did like timeshare just whip it out of you? I'm like, because not everyone's built like this. No. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but they've been so long ago and I've decimated them so much. I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah it's like david goggins you know who david goggins is like i love listening to that guy i literally (laughs) was listening to him today after working out and i was just like oh i resonate with this guy um and i'm nowhere near as cool or anything remotely in that ballpark he's in a stratosphere it's out there but there's a lot of similarities in that mindset of like if you've been destitute before or you've you know like I've, i've been broke as fuck no money i dude i still have two dollars of my last three dollars i had like i'd saved them i was like this would be the brokest i'll ever be in my life i'm saving these three dollars i lost one of them somewhere out there um but i still have those two dollars in a picture frame but i remember like i remember what it was like and so uh, i think just once you touch the the electricity line and you know how hot it is and you know that you can survive it you just touch it and just keep on pushing got it Cool, man. So at the end of this podcast, I always ask the same three questions. Um, might be four. Same question either way. So what's what's one book everyone needs to read? Okay, cool. So it's interesting because once I got into my podcast studio, I get this question often. I'm a big believer in books and not ebooks, not audio books. I'm talking old school paper books where you highlight them. I'm just I I understand the convenience of the rest. But for me, I can just tell you that if I had grown up in the time frame where ebooks or audiobooks were the foundation of how you consume that type of content, I wouldn't be here. Just period. End of story. Um, but for me, if I were to recommend the number one game changer book, it's on my wall over here. It's called The Millionaire Course by Mark Allen. A lot of guys and gals have never heard of it before. Yeah, I haven't. And it will do exactly what that book says. It it is, and listen, I have Wolf of Wall Street, Zig Ziglar, uh, Robert Greene, Chris Voss, have all these other books, and I read them all. I'm reading a book right now, which is the top five regrets of the dying, and I'm reading a book by um, uh, uh, one of the big digital marketers. Right, like I read, a, I'm a big book 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 connoisseur. But if somebody says, "What's my top book?" It's for sure that book by Mark Allen. Was it? Was it talking about? 
Is it just you know what? Yeah, it talks about um, how to really map out what your vision is and it holds you accountable throughout. Like you'll have to write inside of it and it shares his journey and his journey. You'll find so many similarities to it. Um, it really just covers the difference between, you know, like wishing for it, but still adding some of that uh, visualization to your goal planning and really just holding you accountable and on these little sprints. It's it's a book that I read every single year. And it's a book that I give all men in my life for Christmas. Like if I met somebody new, something like that's the book that I give them. And I've watched my buddy take his plumbing company from a regular plumbing company to like this huge monster company in Richmond, Virginia. So shout out to you, Brian. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a book that I've seen change people's lives. That's awesome, man. Um, what's the biggest regret you have in your life? Biggest regret, Jesus. Um, biggest regret. Damn, that's deep. Uh, I'll, I'll say it because it's the one that popped in my mind when my dad's mother passed away in the hospital, I knew I could have saved her and I didn't. And the reason why I knew that is because, and I watched the whole family try in vain and I was too quiet on the solution. And that was, you know, she had been, she had gotten in an accident when she was a kid. It had collapsed some parts of her lungs. She got sick and she just couldn't pull through it, but it was all this fear around it. And I was like, I knew in my hearts that if I just wrote on big, uh, like bored, well, what I like, I can breathe better. I am a better breather. I am pulling through this. She was surrounded by so much negativity from the doctors down to the family because they didn't have the solution. And I know the solution, and that is to visualize the solution. And so I'm uh, as sure as I'm standing here today, I know that if I would have manned up and said, family, y'all, let me just, just follow me here, whether I felt nervous or anxious or whatever about being like, hey, well, here's how I've done everything successful in my life. I've watched it happen. I know what can happen. I didn't do it. And so ultimately she passed away. And I really believe that I could have stopped it. Dang. I, I want to point something out really quick is that every successful person I talk to believes in visualizing and emotionalizing how it would feel when that's happening and, and truly holding that to them, to their heart and, and everything about them. They'll actually have like a physical reaction yeah. to what their thoughts and how they're visually like visualizing everything. But everyone who I know that's unsuccessful thinks it's bullshit. Yeah. They call it woo. You know what I mean? It's all woo, woo, BS. Yeah. Like every single person who's successful believes it down to their core. And I just like want to point that out there so yeah. much so that you know that it would have saved your grandmother's life. Yeah. And I also think those same people have a really difficult relationship with the word luck. And so what they do is they find other people's success that, oh, they just got luck. Like I'm I, like, I understand, like I'm more, I'm way less luck. I, it's, it's not something I've just never been lucky. I can't win at the casinos. I can't win on sports. Like I'm just not a lucky guy. I, I just genuinely believe I'm not. But because if I did believe in luck, then that would give me an outlet for failure that I can embrace. And so I find those same people who also fail to visualize are also the people who blame luck or lack thereof for their success or lack thereof. Mm, yeah. All right, man, this, this one gets, uh, Gets everyone. You get to go back in time to any age, right? Um, and you get to tell yourself three sentences, and then you disappear, right? You know, you know the younger you knows it's you, but you only get to say three sentences to yourself. What age are you going back to, and what are the three sentences? 
and just be very, I, I would rather you just say the three sentences and then say why afterwards. I got to regurgitate that for a second. So if I go back to any place, anytime ever in my life, oof, and I can tell myself just three sentences. Uh, okay. Uh, it's just like the drug game. Leave while you're ahead. Never look back. And so I'll tell you why. Uh, I had an opportunity to sell my company for like fifty some million dollars. My last company. How much? And how much? Whoa! whoa you scrub like fifty six million on January seventeenth, two thousand and nineteen. Damn. Wait, whoa, I can't scrub past this, dude. How much revenue were you doing? Uh, fuck, uh, we were doing a lot. We were netting like 12 million profit a month, I mean, a year. Uh, and so we were doing like 30 some. So it was, ended up being, for 50% ownership, it ended up being like an 8X multiple. Uh, did I had picked out my fucking plane and everything, bro. Like, okay, well, that's what I'm aiming for. So I'm interested. Keep going, I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, chat after this, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But it was one of those things where we could have like, essentially I could have let it go or stuck around to pump up the numbers to try to get more. And so instead of taking a, an easier, more mature exit or an easier, less profitable exit on the company, we just wanted more. And it's like the guy selling drugs. They're like, hey, man, the block is hot, whatever. You know, it's like, dude, just one more. Let me just get one more. Let me just get one more. I'm going to move one more thing and then I'm done. And so that's really what we did with our business. We stuck around too long. And then we ultimately ended up getting sued by $2 billion corporations. And we had politicians. And it was like, it was, it was honestly, it's a great, it's a, it's a long story that could be a podcast in and of itself. But the lesson was, is the exit was clear earlier, but it was just like, dude, let's just, dude, you want to stick around and make this bitch bigger? And then it ended up being less. Um, and I'm not resentful at all. Like it really taught me a lot. So I don't want to sound bitter because I would go back and change myself, but I would still like to have that $50 million. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Well, yeah. Dang. You used to sell drugs too? We'll scroll past that one. I'll let uh, you that. Oh, dude. Well, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, this was fun. It. This is a good time. Um, yeah, for me too, bro. Yeah, I want to. I want to stick you, have you stick around for a couple minutes because I want to pick your brain about that sure. process. But, um, dude, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for yeah. reaching out, and, and I'm glad you came on the show, guys. If you're you're on here, go follow him. Where's your what's your uh, your at your? So I have two at Lamasu Leads L A M A S S U Leads L E A D S, and then at Scott Morse. Um, the at Scott Morse is more my family kind of behind the scenes at Lamasu leads is going to be just like watching the Wolf of Wall Street and shit. Um, we get pretty hectic on there. We have a blast. You get to see my call center. But yeah, definitely give me a follow on Instagram. And uh, hopefully I'm able to share with you behind the scenes something that inspires you or motivates you or moves you to maybe hit the gas pedal a little bit harder. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Leave us a review. Uh, go share this out. Even if this one wasn't for you, I guarantee you it's someone for, for someone you know. So go share that one out. And until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.